Alabama is back to the national championship, guys. They get there this year by beating Washington 24-7 in a bit of an unbalanced game, but the defense continues to dominate, and they are back to the natty. They're taking on Clemson again. It's the rematch. We're very excited, and there's a whole lot to talk about. So in this episode, we're going to go back, backtrack, and look back at the Peach Bowl. What went right? What went wrong? And, of course, the defense, we got to harp on them. And then we're looking forward to the national championship. What does Alabama need to do to win? How will they come out on top for the second season in a row? And, of course, Lane Kiffin's out the door, which means everything you know about this game could be out the door. So it's a very exciting time to be doing this podcast. We're very happy that you're here. Please keep listening because we got a whole national championship podcast coming your way. Don't go away. It is time, everybody. We've been counting down to this day all season long, and it is finally here. Alabama wins in the Peach Bowl over Washington and Atlanta, headed to Tampa Bay for their second consecutive championship and a rematch. It's going to be a fun one. I'm Patrick Norwood. He's Patrick Brumman. Brick, how you doing, buddy? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. You know, I don't want to... uh brag but this is the second straight season since starting this podcast that Alabama is in the national championship against Clemson mm-hmm, so uh mm-hmm, mm-hmm. fellow bammers you're welcome mm-hmm. yeah you're yeah, welcome we did it we did it call ma tell her we made it this is this is the good luck just well no I don't want to knock on wood but no good glad to be there I was actually um it's kind of sobering because after the game on Saturday when we won the Peach Bowl I remember thinking back to the uh, to the SEC championship in 2009 when Alabama beat Florida, to, and they mm-hmm. were going to the national championship, and that thought, and I know you feel the same way. In that moment, it was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. We're actually going. This is crazy. I am so happy to be a part of this. Yeah. I don't think anything can be like, I, I can never take this for granted. On top of the world, yeah. And, and then it's like, we beat you know, Washington 24 to seven in a game where we did not play well. And it's like, all right, um, looking forward to Monday. Yep. Time to gear up. Here we go. Is that, is that kind of how you felt? Like, I just, I felt yeah, back well, to like, it would have meant so much more to watch. Can you imagine how Washington fans would have been feeling? But to uh, us, it it's like, and that's why people hate world. us. Cause it's like, well, okay, yeah. here we go. Another one. Yeah. You, you got to do it. We'll uh, be more mad if we lose than happy if we win. It's funny. I remember, um, in 2009, my dad woke me up the morning after the national championship. Just accidentally didn't come in my room or anything. I walked downstairs, and he was like, hey, just so you know, there was – I mean, I was in Tennessee, so no one was going to go buy the you know Alabama national championship gear. He said, hey, there's a sale um, down at the sporting goods store um, on all the Alabama stuff. He's like, they just got it in. Your mom called this morning. You should go pick some of it up. I was still on winter break. Yeah. And I was like, oh, heck yeah. And I grabbed my keys and stuff, and I like ran down. I didn't even shower. I ran downstairs and stuff. And was like going. He was like, he's like, hey, go get me a couple shirts. You know, like everybody was like, go me, give me a couple shirts. I mean, Rob, it, Rob was on campus at that point, so he would, he was fine. But mom was like, you know, pick out whatever you want, put it on the credit. Like we don't even care. And I remember my dad. I'll never forget this. My dad was like, I was like, well, I don't want to spend too much. He was like, Patrick, we don't know when this is gonna happen. Again. <laughs> He was like, we, we don't, he's like, the last time Alabama did this, you were in your mom's belly. We don't, we don't know. And at this point I'm 17 or 16 years old. Yeah. He's like, we don't know when this is going to happen again. Um, so you, you need to go 
you need to go, you know, really try and do this. No, I was, yeah, I was 16. I was 16, yeah. And the elation that you were feeling, it was like... Brick, through the freaking roof. Like, of course you wanted to win, but the fact that you were even going and had a week to think about it. Actually, that time it was a month. That time it was a month. month. There was no playoff. A month, and I remember it was one of the longest months of my life. Because we were on such a... See if this sounds familiar. Alabama finished at such a high after beating... I mean, just thrashing Tim Tebow in Florida. Sailing through the last part of the schedule, minus Mississippi State, shocker. Uh, I mean, from the LSU game that year and on, other than the Mississippi State game, just obliterated everybody. Um, and even Auburn, even though that was Cody 5, um, and that game, well, no, that game was close too. So Mississippi State and Auburn were really close. But I remember, you know, we got through the SEC Championship. I was like, man, I don't want to wait a month because what if this team comes out flat? Great transition. Because guess what happened? Alabama wins the SEC Championship. Maybe not in the dream fashion that we were thinking, Brick. Maybe not in the blowout way that we had in mind. But they came out flat after having a month off. That happened in the 2009, if you'll remember. It, it did. First two drives stalled. Nick Saban calls a fake punt pass to one young Drake Kirkpatrick. One of the worst calls of his career. And the next drive, Colt McCoy goes down, changing the game. So, to answer your question, I was worried because we had a month off. I was excited we got in, but after all the talking, all the hype and everything, I was I was tired of it. I was just ready to play the game. I was just ready to go and play the game. And then the game started and we came out flat. If that sounds familiar. I'm gonna. We're gonna do a lot of complaining about the, uh, or I will at least about the Washington game in this podcast. So I'm gonna preface that by uh, linking to another way that people hate us, and that's that I was talking to a uh, one of the new reporters in our area. He's from the New England area. He's a big Patriots fan. I'm a Dolphins fan. So we know the the way that the two franchises have gone in the last 15 years. That's very obvious. Sure. That little waltz. And I was talking to him. He was talking about the game. They played the the Ravens or the Chiefs recently, and they had a lacklusterish performance where they won by two touchdowns. It was over the Chris. It was over Christmassy break, kind of the last two or three weeks. He was talking about the game, and I, you know, the Dolphins are in the playoffs, and the Dolphins are in the playoffs, and I'm of the mindset I'm just happy to be there. It's our coach's first season. <laughs> Nobody thought we were gonna be. I know we're gonna. We're not gonna win the Super Bowl, and I'm fine with that because we made the playoffs, and that's awesome. And he was talking about. That game that they played against either the Ravens or the Chiefs, I don't remember which one it was. And he's like, "Yeah, we did all these, you know, we made, we had all these problems, and you know, we, we had all these drives that stalled because of these stupid little mistakes." And I'm sitting here going, "Dude, you're the you were the Patriots. You have Tom Brady. There's almost no way you don't go to the Super Bowl this year, especially after Derek Carr went down. What are you complaining about?" And then it hit me. That's what we sound like. Yep. That is exactly what we sound That's us. like. You've that been to two us. straight national championships. You've won a million. You've got Nick Saban. You have the best athletes. And you're complaining that you ran the ball or you didn't ran, run the ball enough in the third quarter of your game. But with that said, this is a process, and we understand that at Alabama, and that's why we get mad because we demand perfection. We've bought Empires into that. Empires are not that's why built by looking back and thinking about all the great things that were. So with that said, uh, initial thoughts about this game. Uh, disappointing. Yeah. From a play calling and execution perspective on the offensive side of the ball and from the defensive side of the ball, continually impressed. 
yeah, I mean, the defense did what they do. Offense, I'd say this was our worst showing of the season. Play calling, we are shooting ourselves in the foot with penalties, missed reads from the quarterback, bad throws from the quarterback, and just all around, they didn't look in sync. It, even for our offense, which has struggled a lot this year, even that game was very out of character, and something was up. And we'll talk about that. I mean, obviously a lot of people are thinking that's Kiffin. We're hoping that was Kiffin. But um, this was even for an offense that has never really hit a groove for multiple t- games in a row. This was still out of character. Right. Right. It's it's weird because I, I, I couldn't watch a game Saturday. High Point had a men's game. Um, so I was, I was You saw watching. snippets, right, throughout the game, but you didn't... Yes, I was able to look down at my phone them. occasionally between media timeouts, dead balls, that sort of thing. Um, and the plays that I saw, I saw both Scarborough's run, so that was great. Um, high, point, <laughs> high Point went to... Ba- <laughs> high Point basketball went to halftime, and then I looked down at my phone, saw uh, the last play of the first half, and then Alabama went to halftime. So... Really didn't get to see a whole heck of a lot. However, um, what I did see and what I watched from the highlight afterward, um, and the, actually I watched a full game afterward, was not frightening to me, but a little unnerving because that's not how you, that's not the momentum you want to take into the next game. What is not? Um, this was penal- the stuff. This the was penal- the kind of stuff. The penalties that you would were the, the thing that game. were most concerning to me. That's stuff that gets worked out at the beginning of the season. These these grounding penalties, holding calls, uh, delay of game penalties. It just it's something that has not happened this season for Alabama. Uh-huh. It just hasn't. This and I I don't. That was my biggest thing with it. That and the play of Jalen Hurts looking sort of lost. He looked like he did those first couple drives against USC. Yes, wide eyed. Um, people and I think that the media beats this to death way too much, but. He didn't. He was calm. I mean, he had that calm demeanor that they love to talk about. About every 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 possession, it's like, look at how calm he is. We get it. It's been fifteen games now. Chill. Um, right. But yeah, he looked. As far as he looks rattled, he looked rattled. We had false starts on third downs. Um, he missed a lot of zone option reads, which is kind of something that's kind of hard to see to an untrained, just casual fan's eye, because you think that that's oh, that's just a quarterback run play. But these run pass options are zone reads he kept holding on to the ball and then he would get tackled to the line of scrimmage and his running back looked like they had three yards around them yes and he made a lot of those errors and so in the first half we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the first half specifically first we had one good drive in the first half yeah. and it was our second drive and we started off with a run about eight yards uh then we threw a nice um pass to the sideline to oj howard for about 18 and then six straight runs followed by a 17-yard run, Bo Scarborough touchdown to close it off. That tied the game. At that point, it looked like, all right, we figured this out, what we're doing. Yep. Then I, at that there, point, we I looked down. Old, it's like what we went back to old habits, bad habits. I, I looked down at that point after that touchdown and said, all right, there's no way that Kiffin does this two games in a row. Yeah, it was the Derek Dooley thing. Don't score first, it pisses them off. They scored yeah. first, we came down, looked – completely overpowering them crammed it down their throats and then it we didn't see that again until the fourth quarter right right even when they tried even when they tried to do it because the second quarter wasn't terrible from a play calling standpoint and that's why we got it in the penalties um the penalties were bad in in 
every quarter, but they just weren't executing in that second quarter. Yes. And, you know, we go up. We the, the defense bails out the offense with the pick six. Great pick yep. six. Ryan Anderson gets the ball, stiff arms, and spins the guy as he's catching the ball in one fluid motion, and no one touches him after that. And it was awesome. It was the, it was the play that changed Re- the game. Remin- reminiscent of one Marcel Darius in 2000. It was. It really was. A little bit more athletic, um, but nonetheless yes. impressive. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think – I I don't know, Brick. I – I, like I said at the beginning of the show, like I, you you take a month off, you come out flat. I feel I've seen this before, you know. I I've seen Alabama do this time and time again. The one time I can think of Alabama not doing that is against Notre Dame in the national championship. You could maybe argue the LSU championship, but even then, drives were stalling left and right after having a month off. See, but it's not even that we came out flat. We never found our groove. If it wasn't for a 68-yard Bo Scarborough touchdown where he I don't think we found our groove because all. I don't think the coaches allowed the players to find the groove. Well, they better because you have to have somewhat of a groove in this national championship. Is what right. You have and to. I, and I don't think that that's going to be an issue this game. It better not be. It really, I don't think it will either. I'd well, like to think well, it's – Saban's got the kind of level head to, to really nip things like that in the bud. Um. But at the same Look, time, we're going to have an offensive coordinator who has never called a game in Alabama. Football, like life, is cyclical. It's cyclical. Everything goes in a circle. Okay? I've seen Alabama come out flat before, after a month off. I've seen it. And either A, they find their rhythm in the big game, or B, they find their rhythm in the next game. But it's almost never failed. I've seen them come out flat in season openers. People act like that 2013 Virginia Tech game was awesome. Brick, you and I were there. Really didn't play that well. Nope. Christian Jones for Heisman, though. Exactly. That's my point. Christian Jones was the best player that game. And then the next week and the week after, like, nothing's wrong. So, I don't know. It's cyclical. I'm not... You know, I'm not happy by any means, but I don't see this team coming out flat two games in a row. Um, I think you, you think I'm freaking out. Later, I'm but. not freaking out. I'm just a little tiffed at it. I'm just a little tiffed at, at as you just, as you should be. You know, I mean, this isn't something that Alabama fans need to take lightly and say, "Well, you know." And I, I know I sound like a hypocrite by saying that, but this isn't you know your everyday. Oh well, we're gonna figure everything out and everything's gonna be fine. It wasn't a meltdown, but the, it wasn't the start. The start of the Clemson game, there's still going to be kinks that need to be worked out. But guess what? Clemson's gonna have kinks too. Period. So I I don't know. I just I I'm not as worried as you are. I don't think, but um, that first half was piss poor. The second half was worse. We got the ball three times straight inside the 50 with less than 50 yards to go for a touchdown. 20 yards, 15 yards to get in field goal range, zero points. No field goals even attempted. Right. Three and outs. And even when we – there was a driver, we got two first downs and still with the penalty and then another penalty took ourselves out of field goal range. It was the most infuriating 10 minutes of Alabama football I've ever watched. Because I was just waiting. And this is a team that this year has been able to, and, a, and, a, and a, essentially a program. I mean, this is what we've always been able to do. Put in that dagger. Put in the dagger. 
put them away, especially this season. When it's there, make the play. The plays were there, and it just kept – and I'd watch Hurts miss a throw. There was one where he went down the field, and he had um, – it was Damian Harris, I think, was the running back in at the time, or it was Calvin Ridley, one of the two – one of those two. Open on the dump off in the flats for 30-yard gain, missed the read, missed so many reads. And it was just, oh – and then another drive would end. I was like, you have – are you – what is – come on. We should be boat racing these guys. The, the the talent gulf, the gulf of talent between us and them was so evident on that field that we were so much more talented, such a better team. And yet at 17-7 to and really 10-7 to if you are just going off on offense – going into the fourth quarter and I was like we should be beating these guys 35 to 7 it yes. was I didn't think but we were like ever going to lose I feel like most of that's play calling it, yeah I would hope so a lot of it though was execution from the quarterback but a lot yes. of that is because he kept being put in bad positions it was it's almost like he's a true freshman it was a two-fold thing he was playing poor and they were put also putting him in poor situations which meant we weren't doing anything and it like I said the heroics of Bo Scarborough to really put the ice on the, you know, ice the game. It's almost like he's a freshman. And people seem to just forget that. And I don't understand where that's come from at Alabama, where you have a freshman who makes freshman mistakes. Look, Jalen Hurts hasn't made a lot of mistakes this year, Brick. No, but our we own offensive probably, coordinator. Between you and I, him. we may be able to name five. Really bad freshman mistakes. The pick against, who was it? I think it was UTC, was one of the, or no, it was Mississippi State, was one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen thrown. You remember the one I'm talking about. But yeah. stuff like that, I, I just haven't seen it from him. We're lucky to have gotten this far with a freshman quarterback, and I think people are forgetting that. I think our own offensive coordinator had been forgetting it over the last several weeks, though, too. Which is, yes. I'm, and we'll get into why. We're, I think we're both pretty glad he's out of the door. Yes. But... Originally, I wasn't, but we'll talk about that later. Um, no, I, I think when your coaching staff sort of handcuffs you, there's not a lot you can do. And I think that's what a lot of that game was. I, I guess I expected this team to be, like last year at this point we were, and the national championship was, a, was, was just a slugfest. But I was expecting us to just be more scorched earth at this time. You know, we beat Florida by a lot, but it didn't feel like we beat them by a lot. We really didn't beat Washington by a lot. We really didn't beat Auburn that soundly. We haven't been beating the team. Now, we're still in the discussion for greatest team of all time, and that goes a lot to say, like, even as much as our offense is holding us back, how great the other side of the ball is. But it's like, I expected us to be more dominant, more scorched earth. Nobody's standing a chance at this point. Because I... You know, I think we, you know, obviously we will need to play better in the national championship. And I think we will. I just expected there to be less doubt in my mind at this time. Yeah. Like we said before the podcast, I'm about 70-30, which normally with Alabama, I'm about 85-15, 90-10 on us winning. It's just... Right. Ugh, boy. It's been more of a struggle than I thought offensively. Yeah. And it's. I think I'm blaming it. And I hope I'm right on Lane Kiffin. And I just hope it isn't too late to fix you, that in eight days. So do you think – here's the thing. Washington's a very good football team. Very good. Mm-hmm. good They're defense. in the playoffs. They do have a good defense. 
they're in the playoff for a reason. They're a very, very talented football team. Brick, they had 227 total yards of offense the other night. And the whole time that you and I have been talking about this game, this semifinal, we've only been talking about Alabama's offense. Yes, because I don't think there's much to be said about the defense. About the defense, who has been unbelievable. And what wins national championships? I thought that was rhetorical. Defense. Defense. Defense does. On the other side of the same coin, the offense we're about to play solved this defense last year. It took... Last year was crazy because I had never seen an Alabama game like this before. It took both teams A-plus game, and Alabama won. Like, usually when another team puts up their A-plus effort like that... We're on the losing end of the stick, but we both put forward A plus. It was clearly the two best teams in the country, and um, we came out on top. Now, I think we gave a C minus at best, D plus maybe performance on on offense, and you know I think we kind of probably averaged out to a C overall last game in the Peach Bowl. If Clemson yeah. comes out with an A plus again, it's going to be a close game. I think if we both come out with A-plus this year, we've widened the gap between us and Clemson. It's more like a 12-13 point game. Maybe two, maybe three scores. I think, and just sort of bouncing around right now, I think your assessment of Bo Scarborough was spot on, by the way. You texted me about midway through the season and said, Bo Scarborough is this year's O.J. Howard. Yeah. And I said, what do you mean? He said he's not going to show up to the playoffs. Well, he showed up. He was awesome. He was fantastic. And that's another thing. And I think play calling handcuffs and Scarborough both had 19 carries in this game. Why? Why? That can't happen. I can't even imagine. He was making all the wrong reads. Hurts was. He had some good runs, like he does because he's such an amazing athlete. But his best run of the day was one of them was marred by a fumble, and the other one was by holding. Still, with what Scarborough was doing to them, when he got the ball, yeah, he'd have a two-yard run every now and then, a negative one-yard run. But on average, what he was doing to them, he should have had 29 carries. Hurt should have had 10. Yes. Without a doubt. He had 180 yards. That's an Alabama bowl record. Scarborough could have put up 280. Yes. Sometimes we just need to be LSU. If Darius Geis is getting it done, give it to him. Yep. Sometimes we got to stop being cutesy, and I hope that's what Sarkeesian is. Let's just jump. We're going a little bit off schedule here, but I think we just need to go ahead and jump right to this discussion with Kiffin yes. and Sarkeesian. Because here, well, hold on. Final thoughts. Let's just wrap it up. Final thoughts, Washington, Alabama. Alabama played their, like you said, C, C minus game. Won by 17 points. The defense let up a touchdown within the first, what was it, 10 minutes of the game. Washington never sniffed the end zone again. That's how good not this even, team is. Not even, not even close. A C Their next longest the drive was 36 yards. Six plays, 36 yards was their next best drive. We played better in the bowl game against Ohio State two years ago. We played better in that game yeah. than we did this game. We're still in that. That's how good this year's team is. So This team had 61 passing yards. Oh I don't see that happening two weeks in a row. Better not. Really better not. <laughs> I can't. It, I mean, it, I, it, how can it? That's what I mean. It's like, I just don't see this team getting 
playing that bad again or getting worse. With Kiffin, but that's no longer an issue. Let's jump to that. So as most Alabama fans today have heard, um, Lane Kiffin's out the door. He was expected to stay through the playoff. It's not happening. The news broke today. Saban had a press conference um, where he said it was a mutual decision to leave. He said it was just too tough to handle the coaching duties between the new job and this job and blah, 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 blah. I don't buy it. I don't think this was mutual. I think this was a case of, all right, dude, you've overstayed your welcome. I will not let you derail this team's national title hopes with your piss-poor effort at what you've been doing. Right. But he went, you know, he was nice to the media. They probably had their meeting, came to an agreement, and said, all right, we're going we're gonna to frame this this way but to, to help you save face on your way out. But this is overdue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Sarkeesian, so Sarkeesian, who had been named the eventual successor, is just going to assume it. <laughs> Seven days before national championship, we have a new offensive coordinator. Only Saban can pull off a move like this. Only Saban would have the balls to pull off a move like this. And still, it's being met with applause. And yeah, all right, this is the right decision. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of factors went into this. The offensive game plan was terrible. We've talked about that too much. Um, his behavior since he got the new job has been pretty atrocious. If you go back and look at all the things he said to the media, he said fun's not a word we use around here. Um, he kept throwing his coaches under the bus. He was late to meetings. He was late to media day. He was late to practices. People were saying the practices were bad. Um, what are some of the other things he said? Uh, he critiqued Saban on how on how he sort of got on him which I don't I don't really appreciate that like I get it nobody likes getting yelled at Brick you and I have both been yelled at at our jobs yeah it's not fun no one likes getting yelled at at your job when you are a football coach working under Nick Saban that's going to happen you know and Nick Saban is throwing you a lifeline you were drowning, drowning, and Nick Saban threw you a life raft. Maybe don't piss on him on your way out the door. And I think he may have burned a couple bridges here by doing that. You know, I've always been a little bit more of a Kiffin apologist than you. but uh, Yeah, that's no secret. That's I've, no secret. I've wanted him gone since the Ohio State game. I think he's been done I think he's been I wanted done him since... gone the Ohio State game. I think he's he's outstayed his welcome since Ole Miss this year. I've I've always made and we've said it on this podcast. I think he force feeds one guy too much. I think he decided that Hertz was his guy to force feed this season because of you know he's sexy. He could be the first ever true. He he wants all these little things to hang on his mantle, and 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 Hertz was the new experiment for him. Yes. Um. And because of what he did against Ole Miss, he figured this is my guy. Should never have been his guy, but that was the thing. And it's it's what what Kiffin did. Is exact. I won't complain. the The accolades and our success speaks for himself. He has been a success in Tuscaloosa. We came in and we had a dying out offense, an offense that wasn't getting it done anymore. And Kiffin was brought in to change it, change the culture, change the athletes, change the way that we think and perceive offense at the University of Alabama. He was the right guy to come in and do something like that. He might have stayed one season too or too long, but there was really no offensive coordinator to go out and get at the, la- the end of last season. Um, so he came in. He changed the culture. He recruited the guys. It's now in place. At the same time, 
He's not a perfect play caller. When his play calling is on, it is on. Look at the entire 2014 season with Blake Sims. For some reason, he was nearly perfect that year, except the Ohio State game. Um, Now, look at the last two years. He was good last year toward the end because he realized, oh, I should just give it to Derrick Henry every time, and he did, and we won a national championship. Then this year, that whole thing was out the window. He's a very terrible situational play caller. He does not look at the situation enough. Saban is a nearly perfect situational play caller on defense because that's what he controls. But even on offense, I think he'd do a lot better. So Saban's looking at this and goes, all right, now it's here. Now it's in place. Why do we need this guy anymore? He wants to go back to micromanaging. He gave Kiffin full control. That was part of the deal to get him at Alabama. You have full control. Saban now wants a little bit more control over this offense. His ass chewing to Kiffin, that was him saying, all right, I'm taking charge here. And I'm trying to think of a time when those ass chewings occurred when it wasn't warranted either. They were always warranted. Even at the ends of games where we were blowing them out, they were still warranted when we were throwing little cutesy passes to Calvin Ridley and we're up 38 over West Carolina or whoever we were, Western Kentucky. Yeah. On a third and two, we're throwing a little screen pass to Calvin Ridley with three minutes left on the clock. What are we doing? That was one of them that just comes to mind. But it's like, all right, I want, I want control of this offense back. And that's yeah. kind of what – so Sarkeesian is in, but Sarkeesian's new. Sarkeesian's being given even more of a I lifeline think, than Kiffin got. Well, and I, I think part of that is Sarkeesian now has to say, all right, don't – look, here's what I'll say, and this will cover my feelings about Kiffin and Sarkeesian. Ready? The most important – I don't care if you're an offensive coordinator, a multimedia coordinator at a university, or a sports director at a news station. Don't care what you are. Brick most important times at a job are your first two months and your last two weeks. Okay. Sarkeesian in his first two months at Alabama is going to do everything and anything that Nick Saban wants period in the confines of his own, you know, I'm sure Saban will give him some creative direction, some stylistic options, but if Saban looks down the sideline and says, run the damn ball, he's going to run the ball. I think that Kiffin burned his bridges because in the last two weeks of his job, he didn't, A, perform well, and B, he had a crap attitude about it. Oh, I've got the quote sitting right here. Uh, Where is it? Where is it? First of all, he said Sarkeesian will do better than he did because Sarkeesian's better with people like Nick Saban, and he's not perfect about it. But um, I agree with that. Let's see. He said something about how the majority of Alabama coaches are very structural and they like, you know, guidelines and, and they're, you know, very careful with things they do. They don't want new ideas. He's, I'm an idea guy. You know, I'm just trying, I, I, I want to experiment with new things. And he was saying that that's why he butt heads with people. He's saying this in interviews while he's still employed by this team, by the way. So I don't know, man, just, you know, it's just disrespectful. Like I said, the most important time at a job is your first two months and your last two weeks. By the way, I think the CB. I'm quoting mostly quoting a CBS article, and I'll, I guess I'll look. I couldn't find the quote as I was. Re- John Solomon wrote it. Um, he was saying, you know, if he's going to say that Sarkeesian's going to work so much better with Saban, who's a legendary coach and has sent other coaches to great jobs, why wouldn't FAU look at this and go, well, damn, why don't we just hire Sarkeesian then instead of getting, you know, this shit show? I don't know because I think that. <laughs> I think that uh, 
maybe Florida Atlantic was sort of looking for someone like Kiffin, who is they a were. new, exciting guy. They were. I mean, they're FAU. But the, the article, if you want to read it, is called, the title is, Lane Kiffin finds a new way to show he hasn't grown up in his latest early exit. Yep. Not necessarily nice toward Kiffin, but a lot of it, not all of it's probably the truth, a lot of it's probably a little bit sensationalized like writers do, but I believe a lot of the stuff in here. Yeah. And so the timing, this is all coming to say, I do think the timing is weird, but it's perfect. We're here, we're in the national championship, we've got everything there. The playbook is... You don't install a new playbook eight days before the national championship. It's no. going to be the same plays. It's going to be the same playbook. The players know the verbiage. They know everything. Sarkeesian knows the verbiage. He knows everything. Now it's just Saban going, all right, I'm going to have my new guy in there, my new protege, that's on a much tighter leash, and I can micromanage this. Because yes. he got tired of looking up on second and two after an eight-yard run and seeing us trying to throw the ball Yes. for a sack. He got tired yep. of it. Yeah. So it's perfect. I put on here, does it help or hurt? I think it absolutely helps. At first when I heard this news, I I was really worried. Really worried. Because I don't like affecting a rhythm. I don't like affecting shaking. Yeah. You want to be consistent. Saban preaches consistency all the time. All the time. Consistent. Just be consistent. Just be consistent. This isn't consistent. I think Kiffin, though, has been anything but consistent since he got this new job. And since yes. he probably realized he was done it out. Ever since the LSU rumors started popping up, he's been pretty much anything but consistent. Because for the that. longest time, you know, he's allowed to talk to the media during these uh, postseason stuff. So is Jalen Hurts. All the little rules they have during the season don't apply during the postseason. Jalen Hurts can talk to the media. Kiffin can talk to the media. So, like... This was all not there. And so I kind of just assumed, like, oh, he's kind of changed. Then that all gets thrown out the window, and we're saying, oh, he's still a big baby. And I'm so yes. mad that he's that he's taking this opportunity that put his name back out there. Sure, he didn't get the jobs, but he was rumored for things like Oregon, LSU head coach job, Houston. That doesn't happen without Saban in this program. Sure, you didn't get him, but that's because you're you. Not Saban's fault. I still feel like there may have been something that happened with Kiffin in the last 72 hours behind closed doors. Whether it's he was caught up in a scandal, he mouthed off to the wrong person. I feel like there's something more to this story that we're not hearing. And I want to know what that thing is. I agree. I would love to. I would, first of all, I'd love to be a fly on the wall since the end of that game. Everything that's happened since the end of the game, I wish I was hearing. I bet. I bet things were... Very, very, I I bet things felt kind of like how they do right before a breakup between a couple that's been fighting for years. You can tell. It's, it's just, it's, it's very quiet. And then right when Saban said, Hey, can I see you in my office tomorrow morning? Yeah, I know exactly what this is about. Let's do this. And I think it was mutual in that regard, but I think it was a lot more of Saban sort of flexing his muscles and saying, get out, than it was Kevin saying, hey, I think I need to go, which yeah. is how it's being presented. Yeah, you can kind of tell when when Saban's fed up but doesn't want people to know he's fed up. You can tell by the way he talks to the media. He's very he's, he's more relaxed than he should be, and you can tell when he's being more relaxed than he should be. After the, after the Peach Bowl, he said that he was proud of the offense and they played well. 
uh, you didn't look proud of the offense during the game. We got you on camera screaming three times. There's no way you're happy with them. You were fed up, but you were not feeding that to the media. You were not giving them something to write about over the next eight days. That's what this is. Which is good. Yeah, he's smart. I mean, he's the best at the game for a reason. He is a master at PR. He could be his own PR firm. He's so good at that. But you just but you can also tell. Like people see through it. Nobody's saying, Oh, okay, yeah, this is totally mutual. It's Kiffin Kiffin's fine with not getting another ring. The the most egotistical coach in the world is fine with not winning another national championship. That's yeah, that's a, he's ready to get to Boca Raton. Please. So I'm excited. I'm very, I'm very, very excited. Yeah, this no, I mean, I, I, I've said it time and time again, Brick. I'm, I'm tired of Kiffin. I, I said am happy it, for what he's. Provided. I said it midway through last season, and everyone called me insane. How can you be tired of the guy who's gotten you to two playoffs in two years? Yeah. And I told you a long time ago. I don't even know if you'll remember this conversation. You were getting on to me, saying, it was after. No, it was about this time last year. I was. We were talking about. Um, we were talking about Kiffin. It's before a podcast one day. Yeah, it was. And you were like, you were like, how? You, do you remember this? You said, how can you be mad? Like, I don't get how you're mad at him. Yeah, we've we've lost two games, and we just and come he, off a national championship, and I didn't I didn't see it. And you said, how are you mad at him? I said, Brick, because I don't think you realize how good this team could be or could have been had he not been the play caller. And I know that's just that's such a weird thing to hear. For people because they're like, but we won. But we could have slaughtered this Washington team. Should have. That's this, had that we had any play callers that came before him. Year. Any play callers that we had before him. I think we just slaughter that Washington team. Throw Derrick Henry or Derrick Henry. Throw Bo Scarborough in the I form. Put I don't care who at fullback. I don't even care. Don't, don't put him in the eye form. Don't care. Ace trips. Put somebody under center, damn it. Hike the ball to the quarterback. Make sure the quarterback doesn't screw up giving it to the guy who's going to run you to the championship. And that reared its head a lot more this year. Because last year, the playbook toward the end of the year was give it to Derrick yes. Henry. And he had 40. But, co- and then we were happy. But, but this year, it's like. Be- the reasoning behind that strategy was not because, oh, this is what works best for the offense. It was, oh, my guy's going to get the stats. Yes. Now, to us, we knew it was also the best chance to win. But that's, you know, that kind of went together. Yeah, it was the best chance to win. And, yeah, it's getting him the stats. But this year, we've got a state. And it's not just Scarborough. Damian Harris was running the ball well. Uh, I'm sure Jacobs was fine the couple carries he got. He should have got more carries, too. Right. You know who wasn't running the ball well? Jalen Hurts. You know who he kept running? Jalen Hurts. So he even when we run it with him, and then it's he get a negative one yard gain. Then at second and eleven, he's like, "Oh, I guess we have to pass the next two plays." Yeah. We didn't. I was even mad that we weren't doing our little screens. We didn't do a single bubble screen till the fourth quarter. We still got Ridley and 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 uh, our Darius Stewart, and they're pretty damn good athletes. I don't want to do it 20 times in a game, but you got to give it to him sometimes. If He wasn't even giving uh, – the thing that he did well, Kiffin, this year, he did do well at parts of the year, and that was early on when he was helping Hurts get those easy throws to build his confidence. Yeah. Those were non-existent in the SEC championship and the playoff. I don't know where they went, but early in the game we get Hurts these easy throws to – 
you know, get the confidence under his belt, then he'd make a good throw. Hertz made one good throw on Saturday. It was sideline to Garrick Dieter on the third down. It was an NFL-level yep. throw, and I went, okay, that's good. He won't do it again, and he didn't. It was yep. – where, where were those throws? Calvin those Ridley throws... was a non-factor because we couldn't get him the ball, but we can if we're creative. Yeah. Sheesh. We've worked 40 minutes into this podcast, and we've spent all 40 talking about the offense. We've got to move on. I'm sorry. I know, and this is my fault. This is my fault. How about we move on to the part? Yeah, and that's what I'm saying, is you were so worried about the offense, you're forgetting what the greatest coach in college football history, Bear Bryant, said about winning national championships. Defense wins championships. Clemson's defense has been rocky this year at best. I know they just blanked Ohio State. And trust me, man, that is damn impressive. It's impressive to blank anybody. I'm starting to wonder how good that Ohio State team was. You and everyone, myself included. Um, I was so wrong about look, both two teams all season. You I, kept up, think, I kept thinking that Clemson was the overrated one and Ohio State was the sleeping giant. The one that was like, all right, they'll wake up, though. They're young and they're hungry. It was completely the other way around. It was. And I blame Urban Meyer a little bit for not having Ohio State better prepared. Also, they're kind of suffering from keeping an awful offensive coordinator as well in Tim Beck. Yeah. Yes. Three plays Ohio State calls. Quarterback <laughs> draw, bubble screen, running back up the middle. That's it. That man's worse than Lane Kiffin. I'm sorry. As much as we're mad at him, Tim Beck is worse. Anyway. Yeah. No, but, but we're not here to talk about You don't hear Ohio Tim State. Beck calling out. He's got to uh, be fired. I, I'm surprised he hasn't been fired yet. Calling out Urban. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you don't hear Tim Beck mouthing off Urban because Tim Beck knows he's on thin ice, and Lane Kiffin has absolutely no social awareness to think that. Um, so we're, the defense is great, and I am not worried about the defense. And I will say that I'm not worried. I've never been worried. Even if we give up 300 yards to Deshaun Watson, still not worried about this defense because they will still – make the plays they need to make. They're so very talented and and they execute perfectly and they're committed to their craft and they take so much pride in what they do. What I'm afraid of is, and I hate to say the word again, the offense putting them in bad positions. I think the only, not the only way, but I think the main way we can lose this game is if we're fumbling the ball at the 25. If we are not letting, not flipping the field when we need to and giving them the ball at the 50. I will say this. Uh, sorry, one quick thing back going back to uh, the semifinal game. Yeah. Jake Browning had one of the best punts I've ever seen by Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then finally, he punts it out of the one, and finally we put together a drive. And I just rolled my eyes. And you know why when we he put scored, together that drive? I cheered, but I also rolled my eyes and went, it's typical. This is We put together that drive typical. because we were forced to run the ball. Yep. We ran anyway. it on third and nine from the two-yard line. By the Back way. to the defense. First this down. is probably the best Alabama defense ever. It they took you a long that time to get championship, there. And I don't see them wasting that opportunity. I'm glad you're there. It took you a long time to get there, but we're saying it. We are convinced. They keep scoring. They keep scoring touchdowns. That is the thing they've got over 2011. 2011 was awesome, but they didn't score touchdowns like this. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love this defense. Yes. I do too. I do too. And I think I I just I don't I don't know. The offense really is a question mark and I get that. 
I'm not as concerned about this game against Clemson because the defense that shut down Clemson, not shut down, the defense that beat Clemson last year was worse than the defense we have now. And Cle- and you, Clemson's offense has regressed a little bit, but that's only because Deshaun that's, Watson is more. That's what I mean. Pro. You can't sit there and tell me that Clemson's offense is better than they were last year. No. And you definitely can't tell me their defense is better. They're so better at things, but not overall. If we've only regressed a little bit on offense, if you even can say that, which that's a really tough argument to make, and we've definitely gotten better on defense. No, we've definitely we're not as good offensively as we were at this point last year. We're not even remotely there. Think about the throws that Jake Coker made in last year's national championship. No, that you're third right. down throw to Ardarius Stewart. Even okay, we will fine. not have any of that on Monday. Sure, fine, I'll give you that. Have that one. We've regressed on offense. We are worse on offense. Are we much worse to the point where we need to be worried about that Clemson defense? We're about two clicks worse. We're not way worse, but we're we're palpably worse. I I'm I'm sorry. I just with the way our defense plays, I think Clemson has to put up a lot of points against that defense, which is tough. It's tough. Tough. One quarterback did it this year, though. One did. Can you remind me which game that was? That was Ole Miss. Oh, really? You mean week three? Teams change a lot in that many weeks. They do. Clemson is proving it. I just, I'm sorry. This team's just grown so much. This defense is just as good as it was at the beginning of the season. It's even better now. It's even more settled in. If Nothing's Eddie Jackson were in though. this game, I, I swear Alabama would win by three touchdowns. Eddie Jackson had Deshaun Watson's number last year, if you forgot. He had a pick. Had a pick. Had two big sacks towards the end of the game. Had multiple pass breakups. Had his number, Brick. We also had two deep touchdowns thrown to a walk-on on us, too. That's true. But no, 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 no. I, I'm not, I'm not going to berate our defense. They don't deserve that. But nothing's written in stone. Nothing is written in stone. No, I'm Sean not Watson can make that... the kind of throw to beat an all-world corner. There are ten uh, quarterbacks maybe at a time in college football, probably like five this year, that can make the kind of throws that he can make in pressure situations. Because this has been kind of a weak can, year for quarterbacks. Do you think he can make that throw enough times to beat Alabama? No, unless our offense squanders it by giving the ball at the 25 I'm not asking times. you about the offense. I'm asking you about the defense. In a vacuum? Absolutely not. But this game is not played in a vacuum. I'm just telling you the reasons I'm nervous. I respect the heck out of the opponent we're about to play, and I am... I do, too. Mm. I really do. But I respect our defense a whole hell of a lot more. Well, you won't be surprised, but when we get to the score predictions, I'm not going to pick Clemson to win. And that's not just because I'm an Alabama homer, because I'm realize how good this team is and how what it would take to lose and I'm not going to bet on it at the end of a 26 game winning streak I'm not going to bet that that's going to happen in the biggest game of the season after Alabama came out flat the week before yes I think I think probably today was their first day of practice since Saturday I think this is the day they got ran to death yes uh, they'll have to spend the next of the week going a little, little bit lighter at practice because I think they Ran to death today. Yes. (laughs) 
And I think people who are saying things like Alabama probably now Alabama only has a week to prepare. Alabama only has a week to prepare. You've got to be kidding me. If you don't think that there's been tape on tape on tape collected, reviewed, analyzed about both Clemson and Ohio State since the beginning of the playoff announcement, probably even right after the SEC championship game. If you don't think that there has been tape, analysis, everything, you're horribly mistaken. Alabama's been preparing for this game for much longer than a month. Um. All right. So, I don't want to go into score predictions yet because we haven't even really talked matchups, right? So we got right. matchups to talk about. Big things to look for. Um. I guess we'll go one, 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 one. You can either start with the first one, or I can take the second one. How do you want to do it? You You're looking at it right here in front of you. Which one do, do you want to start with? This one, or do you want me to start with it? Uh. You go ahead and start with this one. All right, so the first one would be Deshaun Watson versus our front seven. Um, this actually, I'm like we've said, this actually kind of flipped the other way. Watson won this battle more often than not last year. He had a lot of third down conversions running with his legs. We over-pursued a lot last yes. last year, which is something that we have – actually, we didn't do a lot last year. We're, we led the nation in sacks last year. We're second this year, which we're having essentially the same pass rush. We over-pursued a lot, and he got by. Now that we've seen this, I don't think we do the same thing. I think, look back at Courtney Upshaw against uh, Cam Newton in 2010, the way he pass-rushed Cam Newton. Cam Newton was so escapable, and Courtney Upshaw was about the only player on that defense that played well that game. He would break down, and he would not let him back outside. He would force him back inside, where now you've got Darren Payne, Tomlinson waiting for him, Jared, Jonathan Allen waiting for him. I said Jared again. Um, which you would think by now I would have his name down considering he's a top three Alabama defensive player all time. But um, that's something to watch. Kelly had success on him. Watson's had success on him. But for there, I've given the edge to the front seven this year because Deshaun Watson has shown a tendency this year to be more trigger happy and more turnover prone. I don't think he's looking to run as often as he did. I think he has more faith even if it's misguided faith in his arm. And he's thrown a lot more interceptions, which is why he didn't win the Heisman this year. He would have won the Heisman over Lamar Jackson if people weren't able to look back and go, yeah, but he was so much worse this year. If he didn't have to say that, he would have had the Heisman. So, from there, that's something to watch. If our front seven can be a little bit more disciplined in their pass rush, we'll rattle them, we'll get them to throw balls that shouldn't be thrown earlier than they need to be thrown. And when he throws early, he is not accurate. And that's why I think we win this. Ultimately, I think that's the matchup that wins the game. But we've got four more or three more written down here. So we'll move on to the next. Uh, Hurts versus Clemson's front seven, you've mentioned. Clemson's front seven, as I've said previously in this podcast, is not what it was last year. I would argue their pass rush is better. Their secondary is worse without Mackenzie Alexander. See, I would say the front seven's gotten worse. They don't have Shaq Lawson. pass rushing on the edge last year was fantastic. They were in Jake Coker's mouth almost every single play. Yes. I don't see that happening again this year. Against really, an Alabama honestly, O-line that is less experienced. Honestly, they're better in the middle than the edges. I don't know yes. if we block the middle better than the edges. I don't know enough about our line to know that. I think we block a little bit better on the edges because I think right guards are probably biggest weakness on the line. Right. right? Dexter Lawrence I'd is a so. monster. Yes. 
But they don't uh, have Shaq Lawson this year. They don't have Shaq Lawson. That's a huge loss. Huge loss. Uh, I'm not sure who is going to be the star player this game. But I think Alabama is going to have a star player. It's not going to be O.J. Howard, I promise, this year. If I had to pick somebody, Jalen Hurts would probably be my guy. Oh, I love it. That would be great. I mean, if the kid brick, it's not going to happen. All right. But just imagine. Close your eyes and picture a world where we wake up next Tuesday morning. A week from today. We wake up to confetti still in our hair. You know, still, still, still feeling the happy vibes. Look at our phones to reminisce about what the game was. And we see the stat line, Jalen Hurts, you know, 14 for 22, 252 yards, 12 carries, 105 yards, four total touchdowns. 12 for 105? Sure. Oh my gosh. You just, sir, you just described a blowout. Let's, sure. Because I think that's the way Alabama can blow out Clemson. Is if Alabama has all the pieces in place to the point where we don't even have to run the football, that running the football is a luxury that we can pull out whenever we need to, I don't see how this game isn't a blowout. 12 he, for 105 is a bit strong. Yeah. Let's say 12 for, let's say 12 for 80. But he has to do his part because we both yell, run the ball, run the ball. But we can't run the ball every play. Well, and part of the offense is him running the ball. And part of the offense is him running the ball. But we're not Navy. We're going to have to throw it sometimes. Sure. Sometimes. Can we rely on him? Yes. I wouldn't put my trust in any of the other quarterbacks we've had in the past three years. More than I would this kid. I loved Blake Sims. You know I loved Blake Sims. I enjoyed watching Jake Coker sometimes. I would put my trust in Jalen Hurts every single game in every single situation. He has more awards than both of them already. There's a reason for that. He's good and people are forgetting it, and I think the coaches have caused that. Yes. I think that they have made a system. I think that Lane Kiffin made a system that was too complicated for Jalen Hurts at the end of the season. Because he's so young. He's 18, man. Water it down. Get back to the basics. Quick slants. Whatever little pop passes you want to do, go for it. Read options. When would you say our offense was the best? I'd say second half against Ole Miss, and then the next couple games after that. Tennessee, I'd say, was our best. Right? Um, Maybe Mississippi State, because we actually kind of found a passing game that day. Yeah. But it's, other than Mississippi State, those early in the season is when the workload was at its lightest and things were watered down the most. Maybe maybe that Arkansas game. Maybe yeah, he, that did, Arkansas he, did, he game. played pretty well, other than that interception. It's pretty bad. But I, I just, I, I trust the kid. I think he can get it done, especially against his front seven. Especially against his front seven. I don't... Uh, if, if he can make guys miss... If he can stay poised in the pocket, I just don't see Clemson. I, th- I think he's the X factor for this game. I think I think anybody would be crazy to say anything otherwise. I think you're spot on. I trust his – I don't trust his arm at this point as much as I did Jake Coker's last year, but I trust his moxie, his poise, and his playmaking ability. Don't say that. Jake Coker's arm 
Listen he was to the making, sentence you just said. He was throwing darts at the end of last season. Let go. You, do he me wasn't. A favor. He was do, not do turning the ball over. Do me a favor before you go to bed tonight. Pull up Pat's interference year one episode, whatever that would have been, thirteen or fourteen. Listen to what we were saying before the national championship last year. Just go and listen to it. Well, we didn't need to be in love with his arm. We had Henry. No, Brick, promise me, bud. You'll listen to it. Think because about I some of the throws you, he made like, like You last will season. laugh so hard when you hear us say, oh, dear God. What I remember two things about that episode. What if we have to rely, you know, Derrick Henry gets hurt or Clemson stops the run. Oh, God, we've got to depend on Jake Coker's arm. But he proved us wrong. We were saying that. And then we were also saying, oh, God, what if we have to depend on Adam Griffith to kick field goals? My point is Coker proved us wrong and wrong and wrong. And you don't think Hurts is capable of that? No, I think he is, but he hasn't proven us wrong yet. He's also a freshman. He is. No, and we're talking about redshirt senior versus true freshman, and I get that. What I'm saying is, and that's part of what. And honestly, I think he's a little bit of a better leader too. Coker hurts. Hurts. Hurts is a better. I just said that leadership, moxie, playmaking ability, poise, all that's there. It's just some of the throws that that Coker kind of worked himself into, worked through the kinks, and got. Think about the Iron Bowl. Think about the throws he made to. Howard and especially Ardarius Stewart on that third Stewart. down. Yep, Stewart. Coker Hurts not has not made one pressure throw this season. Not one pressure throw. Every throw he's made has not been in a pressure moment. Uh, nope, that's not true. That's not true. Remind there was me. like a third and sixteen against Texas A and M. Oh, okay, I know the one in. you're talking about. Yes, yes. That was a bullet. I need more pressure. I remember throws. that. I remember a Florida a game or a pass in the SEC championship game that was a floater over middle linebacker. Now that wasn't a pressure throw, I'll give you that, but that was a damn good pass. Don't I get think me wrong. I think Hurts I think Hurts is a Heisman finalist at some point before he leaves. Possibly a Heisman winner, but at least a finalist before he goes to the NFL. He's just not there yet. And Let's I don't want I don't want a coach that thinks game. he's there now. Which All is right, what what's, what's your likes. next what's your next matchup though? Next matchup is the Clemson receivers versus our secondary. Um, a couple weeks ago, I would have been more uh, honestly a- afraid. Clemson's got all the same guys back. They didn't lose a single receiver from last year. And their receivers played great against us last year. And they had added back Mike Williams, who did not play in that game. Their receivers are up there with everyone in the country. But our secondary's kind of shown recently that they've got their bearings under them. They looked bad in games. They looked bad against o- Ole Miss. They looked bad against Arkansas. They've looked, they looked suspect for a, a minute or two and against Florida, but not really. Um, and I think they've kind of shown, especially last week against John Ross, who's awesome, Antonio Callaway, who's awesome, Texas A&M's receivers, who are amazing. They've shown that they can handle high-caliber receivers. Yes. So they've had the tendency, if you had to look, and I think you might agree with me, if you had to look at a spot on our defense and go, gun to my head that's the weakness it probably has been the secondary but right. it hasn't been enough of a problem that it's something to fret about before the game if it starts happening in the middle of the game then you go okay we got to make an adjustment well yeah before and i the think game, i'm not worried about the way we match up i mean minka's been playing lights out since the second he stepped on alabama uh, humphrey's been locked down the last couple weeks he lets him harrison was head hunting Ronnie Harrison, who I did not have much faith in, has shown that I'm an idiot. Um, Ronnie Harrison is 
the, Cody Jones? one of the more underrated players on that defense. I can't think back looking going, what is Hootie Jones doing? He's been great since we've had to rely on Tony Brown has been blowing dudes up. What about Tony Brandon Brown's Averitt? had a resurgence. Uh, Averitt been awesome, so I'm not afraid of this. I'm, I'm not either. I'm not, I'm not either. afraid I, of this matchup, but it's Clemson's like receivers said, are talented enough that we got to mention it. If Eddie Jackson were in this game, I would feel a lot better about everything. I would almost guarantee a win. Uh, by the way, toward the end, I, I forgot to put it. I was going to put it at the end of this podcast. I do want uh, you specifically to talk about the piece he wrote, so if you wouldn't mind, we'll do that at the end. About the what now? The the piece uh, Jackson wrote in the Players' Tribune. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We I will. thought you. I thought you might want to. Yes, that'd be I know good. we're I know we're going long, but this is we're at an hour almost, and but this is the national championship podcast. I mean, we got to go big yeah. when we're there. Right, right. We're Amari Cooper SEC Championship 2012. Going I reached long. I reached into the uh, the rabbit's hat for this last one. I got a little creative with this last matchup. Can't wait. Go ahead. Sark versus inexperience. Uh, you know. I don't know if Sarkeesian's really going to be a factor in this game because I'm not really sure how much of a leash he's going to I'm not saying he's not going to have one. He's I genuinely don't plays. know if he's going to have a leash. He's calling the plays, and he is making the game plan. Sure, sure, sure. But I don't think he will have full control of the offense like Kiffin supposedly did. I don't think he'll have 50% of what Kiffin did. What Kiffin... The reason we've been complaining about him is it can be boiled down to his situational play calling. We both know he's a good offensive mind, but in game, in situations, he's been bad, especially this year. This year, it's been I, I don't think worst. there's any way that Sarkeesian gets full control of this offense. No. So you agree the situational play calling, which has been our problem, will be better? Yes, because okay. I don't think it's going to be up to Sark. No, if Kiffin, if not, sorry, not Kiffin. If Saban goes. Listen, I know it's third and seven, but we're running this ball. We'll run the ball. They're running the ball. Like I said, first two months, last two weeks. Good. Now, he's inexperienced, and he is building the game plan. But we're going to – we'll adjust. If the game plan isn't working the first two drives, we'll adjust. We'll take out Blake Barnett, and we'll put in Jalen Hurts. Oh, gosh, Blake Barnett. Well, that's what we did against USC. We can adjust. Yeah, no, I know. It's just – ugh, that name just infuriates me. Quitter. Quitter, ire. quitter, quitter. It, I drew his ire. Triggered. Sun, sun, devil. All right. Uh, we've kind of already talked about these next two things, but Brick, the X factor for Alabama, in my opinion, has to be Jalen Hurts. All right. So the question, what does Alabama need to do to win? You've mentioned Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts has to settle in, settle down. He do- Look, you don't have to play like Brett Favre. You don't. You don't have to outplay Deshaun Watson in this game. You need to play a uh, let's see let's see if I can throw out a name that'll really that'll really get you. Let's see if I can do this. Oh, oh, I got this. Oh, I've got a good one. Go ahead, go ahead and say what Clemson needs to do because I'm gonna hit you with one. Okay, but I just think you need to play a freshman season, uh, not national championship, but just freshman season AJ McCarron game with a couple more rushing yards than he would have had. And I think we'll be fine. But you're coming up with your name. What does Clemson need to do to win? I've, I've only laid it out a million times. They gotta, they gotta put our defense in bad situations by attacking our offense and forcing them into mistakes. If we, they're not gonna, 
in, like we've said, in a vacuum, beat our defense. But they can win this game and beat our, quote-unquote, beat our defense if they're getting the ball at the 30-yard line every time, if they're getting the ball within the 50 every time. Because Deshaun Watson is a good enough quarterback that on his game, he can beat a Marlon Humphrey four or five times in a half. He can do it. He's that caliber of a quarterback. But he won't if the offense doesn't let him get there, if the offense can play ball control. So they've got to control the pace. And they've got to have good field position. They've got to force turnovers on Alabama's offense so that our defense gets tired of chasing Deshaun Watson around like they did last year. They were gassed at the end of that game. We were lucky to escape. Special teams won it for us last year. Special teams won't win it for us this year. No. So they're they're just going to have to to take us out of our game, confuse us, and put put our defense in bad situations. You ready for the name? I'm ready for the name. I, I'm so I'm so excited about this because when I say it, you're gonna say it exactly. Jalen Hurts has to play his best Greg McElroy game <laughs> with a couple more rushing yards. A couple, maybe. Hey, give it to the guys that you know can make plays. Make sure the other guys don't pick it off. And whatever you do, if you're about to get sacked, either well, Jalen Hurts has the option to sprint out of it and then hang on to the damn football. Or just go down and punt. Greg McElroy had like 70 passing yards in the national championship. If if Jalen Hurts has 70 yards passing, fine. Yeah, fine. If, we, if, if we run like uh, Trent and Ingram did in that game, which we can. I think we absolutely will. If oh, you I don't think so. that Alabama's coming out running the ball this game, come on. <laughs> how, how saving would it be if he gets rid of Kiffin? So that Clemson banks on us running the ball, and then he goes with a complete 180, and we throw like six times just, on the way to our just, first score. <laughs> just running gun. And they just get confused because we're going, hurry up. Hertz is bringing us back. He's throwing He's throwing 11-yard out routes. It'd be, it'd be great, but that's not happening. Up and out. Up and out routes the whole game. All right, what's your score prediction? I'm going to go 31-20. 31-20, so we, we both have, well, we're both very similar. I'm taking away our field goal, and I'm going 28-20. I do think we are, we're a touchdown favorite. I think on paper we're better than a touchdown than Clemson, but Clemson's offense makes up for a lot of what they're peaking right now, and, you know, we don't know what we have in the offense, so I think we're about eight points better than them. I'm going 28-20. Uh, right. we, and I'm saying that we go 28-20 with a either strong second or third quarter. Clemson scores late to make it a little bit more interesting. But I do think that this will be a much more boring to the average viewer than it was last year. It's not going to be the classic in my mind that it was last season. I agree. I agree. I, I feel like this game's a chess match that will be won. I'd either, be interested to hear what we said for score prediction last year. Either coming out of halftime or going into halftime, this game's going to be won. Uh, Lane, my wife just walked out. Do you want me to ask her score prediction? Yes, I would love that. Nothing would make me happier. Just say some numbers. She has a lot of faith in our offense. She's I going thirty. It. She's going thirty-five, twenty-one. I love it. Thirty-five, twenty-one is a great score prediction. It's a good score prediction. That's a solid one. I don't see Clemson scoring more than two touchdowns against this Alabama team. Now, I'll say I'll say more than three. All right. Against Alabama's defense, I should say. I could see them getting like a special teams touchdown or something. You can tie this very last discussion we're going to have um, 
to the Eddie Jackson thing pretty easily, I think. Yeah. But you mentioned last week, and you've been mentioning on the phone with me, about this team's path to being the greatest of all time and why this is such an important moment in Alabama lore, if you will. It, so, it is. I'm just it gonna, is. The, the floor is yours. Do yeah. what you will. No, I, I think when you think of uh, – and I, I texted you about it a little bit earlier this week. The past two seasons, there's been something different. The the two thousand the two thousand nine team was similar. Two thousand eleven and twelve teams were not. Where those teams, it was two very specific units, sort of separate. You had your defensive guys; they all ran together. You had your offensive guys; they all ran together. Saban brought them together, and they won the championship. These past two years, you've seen a full team supporting each other, being around each other, doing everything they could. Uh, I think that's most important to the sentence I'm about to say, which is if Alabama comes out, blows out Clemson, or just has a really solid effort, 17-point victory, 14-point victory, that's not that close. Something of that nature. I'm not saying they're the best team to ever play college football, because I'm not sure how you can quantify that against teams like the Nebraska 96 team like the Miami 01 team. I don't know how you could do it. But man, they've got to be in the conversation. Especially the defense. Now, if the if the defense lets up 7, 10 points, there's no way you don't call them the best defense to ever play. Oh, I'm with you there. Called, because people called the Alabama 2011 defense one of the best defenses to ever play. And I don't think there's any secret between you and I that I think that this defense is better than that one. Yeah. Uh, lastly, sort of parting thoughts, Eddie Jackson wrote a piece in one of my favorite, what's becoming one of my favorite sports journalism websites, the players tribune. It's amazing. Whoever started all that and however that came up, it's genius idea. I'd much rather read an article written by the player than someone that thinks they know what a player is thinking. It's putting us, it's putting journalists out of a, out of a job. The, some of the best articles I've seen about hockey are written on the players tribune period. Um, James Neal, Predator, wrote one. Awesome. Brad uh, Kaya, the Miami quarterback who I've really not talked very well about, wrote a great one today. It came out as soon as he announced he's going pro. Two minutes later, yeah. the Players' Tribune tweets it. It was good. I read it. it, it they're always fantastic because you know they're not sitting there writing them. No, obviously. it's so insightful, though. It's, it's genius the way they do it. But anyway, Eddie Jackson's was titled To My Brothers, which I thought was awesome. It's not relating, he's not conveying anything to anyone outside of the program. Not to the coaches, no one. To the players, themselves. Reflecting on his time, but the way he did it and the manner in which he spoke, I think is not only a fantastic epitomizer of the past two seasons, in which I talked about that brotherhood, I think it is one of the greatest recruiting tools that Alabama could ask for. We talk about it all the time. What do recruits want to see? They want to see that when they get to college, A, they're going to be playing for a championship. B, they're going to have a good time. If you haven't read it, go read it. Eddie Jackson doesn't sugarcoat it. It's not easy playing at Alabama. It's not. It's not the same as other programs. It's not the same as going to Texas. It's not the same as going to Auburn. It's not the same as going to Florida or Florida State or Clemson or Michigan or Ohio State. It's just different. 
He talked about how guys constantly got caught up. The guys who didn't make it got caught up in their stars and what they looked like and how much playing time they were getting. They didn't care about the one thing that mattered, which was being a teammate and winning. Eddie Jackson will go down as one of my favorite Alabama players. Period. I talked about he and Cyrus Jones for the past two years like they were Greek gods. They're all right. They're okay. Cyrus Jones will pitter out in the NFL in a couple seasons. Eddie Jackson might last two or three longer. Might. Depending on how he comes back from his injury. After that, I don't know. They'll go sell insurance. They'll go to a bookstore. Sign a couple copies of posters. Go to malls. Heck, Eddie Jackson might write sports articles or be on air something, man. He was good. Post, Post, you know, some sort of football camp something. They will go down as my favorite players because they were real. They weren't these demigods that Alabama produces. Jonathan Allen's a great player. I'll never forget him as long as I live. Courtney Upshaw was the same way, and I know he's your favorite, and I'm sorry I'm about to say this. Those guys are awesome, and I love them. They won't go down as my favorites. My favorite players in Alabama history are the ones that bring that grit, that chip on the shoulder, that, yeah, I didn't come here with the God-given talent. Eddie Jackson did not show up to Alabama's campus with the talent to start on this team, much less be a defensive captain. Cyrus Jones was even worse. He was a receiver. Cyrus Jones was a receiver. Then they moved him to quarterback for like a week. Then he went to defensive back. Actually, Eddie Jackson was a three-star receiver coming out. I think he said that in the article. Right. Those are the players that I love, and that's why I love these two teams. Because they were imperfect. And the irony of the fact that they might have a perfect season on tap is genius to me. It's poetic justice. So tying those two things together, Alabama has a chance to be in the GOAT discussion, although that can never really be won, in my opinion. No one will ever be called the greatest team in college football history, especially with the way that people have marred interpretations of Alabama. People don't want to see Alabama win, ever. They just don't. No one ever really got tired of the Nebraska teams. I'm sure they did, but not as tired as Alabama. No, the fatigue is way off. It's the people, same fatigue that we have for the Patriots now. People got so and the, tired and the New of, York Miami Yankees. Winning, of Miami winning. People hated Miami. But yet you've gotten four 30-for-30s about the Miami – excuse me, three 30-for-30s about the Miami football team in the past four years. I'm excited to watch ours, by the way. We're eventually going to get several. It's, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. But – I think that's what Saban has sort of figured out with this program and with college football in general. Yeah, you're going to get the guys that are great athletes, the Julio Jones, the Mark Ingrams, the Trent Richardsons, that are just beasts. That it doesn't matter what play you call, they're just going to be better. But that doesn't win you championships. The teams that win you championships are the teams with guys like Cyrus Jones and Eddie Jackson who perform above the level that they're expected to perform simply because they know they have to and because they want to, because they want to win. That's what Alabama football is. That's why Alabama is going to beat Clemson on Monday night. That's why Alabama is going to go as probably, I don't know about greatest team of all time, definitely the greatest dynasty so far. That's all I've got to say. Well put. Hey. All right, uh, so I think that wraps up our podcast, would you say? You can find us on Twitter, yeah. at Pat's 
PI underscore podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Pat's Interference. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, everywhere. Um, yeah. Do you have a you, you, letter, letter, bot, bottle, note in the bottle? Whatever, yeah. whatever you got uh, this Actually, week. Uh, they just, I just found this out. I'm really glad you brought this up because I almost forgot. Uh, starting next, uh, starting next week. All right. The Sunday cartoons, you know, the little comic strips that you get. Yeah. The funnies. They, they've started. Chuck Schultz has got some grandson or something that called me. He's like, we'd love to do a Pat's interference comic. Just about, just about brick and Norwood's misadventures. What they go through on a day to day life. What is, what's brick doing with the cats and the, and the pups? What's lane up to? I, I want I want to know it's how good, Patrick's handling things at high it's point. Good comic. And so we're getting we're getting a comic. We're getting a comic strip, dude. It's two thirty where you are. It just is stop. so tired. I am so tired. That was that was that one had just great potential, and I just In squandered no it. execution. Just just no thought behind it. Before. And we don't edit this stuff out, guys. This stay, this stays. I, this... I'm trying to think of the last time we edited something out of the podcast. I think I dropped a, a wordy dirt that we don't use on this podcast. That's a good call. That was a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go to bed. Hey, no matter what happens Monday this year, Brick, I, I, I've i got to brag on you. Best co-host I've ever had. Yeah, ever. You you the same. Uh, we're national leaders in the podcast community. I can't I tell you say, how many times we I get called. I would say the leaders. We run this game. We get, we get called. All the time from other podcasts. What? How do you, how do you guys do it? Because we're up at two thirty in the morning, man. I don't know how we do it. It's, you know it's what, not you something know what Mike you can Tyson explain. said. Mike Tyson used to say, "When I thought about working either late into the early hours of the morning or getting up early in the morning, the only thing that got me out of bed was the guy I'm fighting is not up right now." Look, the podcasts we're competing against—they're not podcasting right now. No way. They're, they're asleep in their beds. Mm-mm, they're asleep. They're, 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 we got to end this bad boy, don't we? Um, well, we no matter what, yep. no matter what happens on Monday, I am also very much looking forward to whatever podcast we do next week. Yes. Because either way, it's, it's been a fun ride, and either way, there's going to be a lot of uh, positive things to talk about. Obviously, more so if we win, but even if we lose, there will still be a lot of positives to talk about. And, and I've, I've enjoyed doing this with you, and I've yep. enjoyed doing it for the listeners. Yep. Listeners, we love you. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much. Dream of ours. Always wanted to do it. Brick, I love you. Proud of you. I'll talk to you later on in the week. Probably later on today, actually. Everybody, be safe. Enjoy the game Monday night. Remember, college football is fun. And most importantly, roll tight. Roll tight.